First Century Britain. This is the first of roughly 20 episodes on British history, by which I mean the history of the British Isles. British history starts in the first century, i.e. from the year naught. For the purposes of this podcast, that is approximately the year naught, because a. there was no year naught, and b. history requires written records. These begin, for England, with the Romans invading, which they did in 55 BC. Since this is less than a century before the year 1, it's near enough for me. So, the Romans invaded. Who were the Romans? Well, duh, people from Rome. You know, Lazio supporters. 2,000 years ago, they spoke Latin, from which most modern European languages are descended. Not only did they speak it, they wrote it. When they first invaded Britain, they were led by Julius Caesar, who wrote about his doings in a series of books called Caesar's Gallic Wars some of which I had to translate from the original Latin for my Latin O-level. That was a long time ago, but maybe not 2,000 years. Rome was a superpower. They were the main superpower because they had a huge army, and they had a huge army because they had a huge bureaucracy to organise the logistics of a huge army. In order to manage the bureaucracy, a large part of the population was literate. Not only did they have written laws, they had a whole legal system which was well documented. There are a lot of written records from when Rome invaded Britain and they left a legacy of people who could read and write which is why we now know about British history. So what was Rome like? 2,000 years ago Rome really wasn't that different to today. Less fiats but more horses. But the traffic was just as bad and the horse-drawn chariots were considerably faster than traffic in Rome today. Italians have always been famous for their fashion. The women wore long linen dresses and jewellery and draped a woollen shawl over their shoulders when they wanted more covering, which was most of the time. Fashions of those days remain popular. All my life I've been to parties all over the world and I've often seen women wearing shoes and dresses that could have been fashionable 2,000 years ago. Men's fashions were a bit different in those days. Men tended to wear short, linen skirts like kilts and something a bit like a linen shirt made of a separate back and front piece sewn together at the sides and fastened over the shoulders. They too wore a woolen wrap over the top, partly for warmth and partly for status. Colouring and other decorations were a sign of status. In colder places, men did wear full-length trousers too. When bathing or involved in physical activity, Men wore loincloths and women wore bikinis, much like they would at the seaside or in sports today. Overcoats and jackets with sleeves had not been invented. Cloth was spun and woven from cotton, linen or wool, and this was done at home or in a small business, not industrially as today. The food was also similar today. They had pizzerias, chicken shops, seafood ristorante, They had cheese not just for pizza toppings, but cheese sandwiches were popular too, especially in the army. They had hard cheese like parmigiano and soft cheese like mozzarella. Bread was a big deal in Rome. Bread was mostly like modern Greek bread. Many Roman emperors gave free bread to every citizen to ensure their popularity. There was no pasta in those days and no chilli peppers, but they did have sausages like pepperoni and they had Parma ham. 
They liked fish a lot, sardines, anchovies, pilchards, etc. My grandmother used to say, if it doesn't have anchovies, it's not pizza, and she wasn't even Italian. They also had red and white wine and beer, but they did think of beer as a drink for barbarians, which of course it was. For dessert they had dates or figs, or honey and cream puddings with peaches, apricots, plums or damsons, and there was no shortage of grapes. All in all, the average restaurant in Rome 2,000 years ago would have looked exactly the same as one in Rome today. Smaller buildings were built of baked bricks and cement as they are today, and they had the same sloping red tiled roofs we see all over Europe today. Their larger buildings were mostly concrete, and while some had tiled roofs, others had cast concrete domes. They had indoor cooking ranges with ovens in larger houses and public buildings. Although chimneys were known, they were only used in commercial buildings like bakeries or smithies. Kitchens of private dwellings tended not to have roofs and be more like an enclosed courtyard with a brazier like we use for barbecues today. A lot of people took their cooking along to bakeries and had their food cooked in the bakery's oven. They had piped water and sewage, obviously no gas or electricity, and they did have underfloor central heating. The smoke from a fire on one side of the building went under the floor to the chimney on the other side. They also had hot and cold running water with hot and cold baths. The bathrooms, and indeed many other rooms, had beautiful mosaics on the walls and floors, some of which survive to this day, and are every bit as well made as mosaics are today. The Romans built roads. They were built so the army could quickly go anywhere where there was a problem and sort it out. The Romans considered roads to be a military installation. The Romans had many gods and had temples to each god. They did not have services like a church service today, but were more like a combination of trade union and Masonic lodge. You went there to associate with like-minded people who may or may not have been in or depended on activities associated with the god that the temple was for. You might give votive prayer offerings to the god or just go there for news and gossip or possibly looking for work or employees. By comparison, how were the Britons? Well, the population of Britain was very small. The total British population was likely less than 2 million at the time, including the women and children, and there were no towns, let alone cities. People mostly lived in a group of round huts made like giant wicker baskets and covered in mud to keep the wind out. Various tricks were used to make them slightly more rainproof, but they had no windows or chimneys, so all cooking was out of doors. Some of these villages had a large communal house where they ate and had meetings, with wooden poles for strength, but still mostly made out of wicker and mud. Most British men wore long, tight woollen trousers with a woollen cloak, while the women wore full-length woollen dresses, also with a woollen cloak. The wool was woven like most men's trousers are today, and not knitted like jumpers and t-shirts, which most wool is today and they were often brightly coloured, although there was a limited choice of colours. Both sexes wore shoes or sandals of soft leather. In the summer, you could probably find the odd vegetable or berry, but with no tinned food or fridges, there wasn't much to eat in winter except rabbits, pigs and fishes. So sensible people normally lived further south.
There were also various types of beer or mead, which is like beer but made from honey. There were no roads, perhaps a few goat tracks. If you wanted to get anywhere, you generally had to go by boat on a river. Most boats were coracles, round and made of leather. Okay for fishing, but not much use for long distance travel. Most British homes had a small altar in the corner of the round hut where they made offerings to their god, which was typically the god for their family. Invasion. In his books, Caesar describes how he absolutely had to invade Britain because of the Druids. You may have heard of Druids. They're the people that run the Glastonbury Festival. Possibly not the same Druids as were there 2,000 years ago. The word Druid comes from the Latin word drus, which means an oak tree. The Druids worshipped oak trees. So a good translation today would be tree hugger. So why exactly did the Roman Empire need to invade Britain? This sounds a bit like weapons of mass destruction. Well, what Britain actually had was tin mines. Tin was really important in those days for making bronze, a strong and easily worked metal. There were small amounts of gold, silver and other useful minerals, but Julius Caesar probably did not mention these for reasons of national security. In other words, he didn't want other people to know why he went there. The Romans came over as army units in fighting ships. And the British had punts, the kind of boat you use for hunting ducks and fishing in rivers. But they were pretty good with bows and arrows and well used to slitting throats with knives, even if that mostly meant the throats of rabbits, pigs and chickens. To be fair, a wild boar is probably as dangerous as a Roman soldier. But to be fair, I have also found no evidence of wild boar riding in chariots at 40 miles an hour or being armed with well-sharpened swords and daggers and carrying well-designed and constructed shields for their protection. So the Romans quickly took the whole country in 55 BC, in 54 BC and again in 43 AD. Prior to the Romans coming, there were no roads. So anyone not directly in the path of the Romans probably never knew they were there to fight back. Revolt. Yes, by 60 AD the presence of the Romans was widely known and a woman named Boudicca, or possibly Bodicea if you're Roman, decided enough was enough. She got her own chariot, sword and shield and with the support of the population at large drove the Romans back, burning down towns of London, Colchester and St Albans in the process. Ten years later the Romans made a comeback with a somewhat larger army and over... The next three years, with three divisions of 6,000 soldiers in each, burned a bunch of villages, managed to defeat the English, Welsh and Scots too, killing about 150,000 British in the process. They also built a road network to assist in this, and most of those roads are still there to this day. In summary, the first century saw the backward British peasants completely overrun, and after horrendous loss of life and despite the leadership of a surprisingly competent woman, totally overrun by the well-organised, well-armed, well-resourced, efficient and really very brutal Romans. If you want to know what happens next, tune in to the next thrilling podcast, coming soon to a pod near you. Bye for now.